Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thanks for joining us for Take Two, a political podcast with a little bit of fun. And by fun, I mean we're talking about all sides of the issue. So if you only want to hear the right or the left because it feeds your inner self and makes you feel like we all agree with you. This is not the place for you, but if you'd like to hear opposing <laughs> viewpoints, you've come to the right place. Fun is, yes. opposing <laughs> viewpoints, That's right? right. Nice. Always uh, fun. Heidi Hatch Always. with KUTV, Greg Hughes, who calls himself a citizen now. Citizen I, Hughes. I feel like you stole that from Jim DeBacchus. He used to call himself Citizen Jim DeBacchus or something, but... I, st- I stole it from Citizen Kane. Oh, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Okay. Citizen Hughes. You've the Ridge. You've titled yourself. I have. I've given myself. Untitled. Yes. Mara, do you nice. want to? It's like is, the, no, the, I, don't, the, I don't need it. The artist formerly known as Speaker Hughes. So Mara Carabello, known as the no. owner of a business, a mom, and a wife. That's right. A fun Italian. I don't know. That's right. She's totally Italian, too, by the way. I have a nice Irish first name, good Italian yep. last name. That works. So we're they play talking. bocce ball. They play it all the time. You have to see. Right, right in the office. No, in the hallway of the office. They're playing bocce ball all the time. It's true. They got gnocchi Blaine's. everywhere, and they've got it's just unbelievable. <laughs> gnocchi, it's like, yeah, that's just, what Italians yeah, do. They have that's what they do everywhere. Like all our family races motorcycles, you know, and just uh, you know the high speed. Do you have any gnocchi? This is good. This do do you buy listening. them like frozen from Trader Joe's, or do you like make them yourself? <laughs> listening to to Greg's tales, <laughs> I know. Okay, well here's here's the fun conversation of the day. Before we get to the issues, uh, the legislative sessions in the second week, you both spend a lot of time up there. What is your um, beverage of choice that gets you going and keeps you going for the 24-hour-a-day cycles. Mara, Greg, what do you drink? Oh, this is easy I feel like you're a Diet Coke kind of guy, Greg. No way. That's a baby drink. You might as well put that in a sippy cup of Diet Coke. I I would just tell the listeners at this point, just relax, because Greg doesn't have uh, so much a drink as a a regime. That's exactly right. Down to the milliliter. Okay, good. So I start the day uh, with a (laughs) beverage called Rain, like R-E-I-G-A. GN rain, so not like, like, like uh, not, not like rain like rain. precipitation, like but Queen like Elizabeth, like the yeah, like royalty rain Thor. over. So rain, yeah, like Fat Thor, <laughs> like I am. But that sounds so I'm like Fat okay. Thor. So rain, it has three hundred milli caffeine. That's how you start your day. That's a lot. Yeah. Isn't a cup of coffee like fifty milligrams? Who cares? Again, baby drinks. I don't do them. I do the three hundred mil. Okay. No calories though, because I'm a real health conscious. I don't <laughs> conscious. I don't yes. want. I don't want to use my body. So calories. zero calories, three hundred milli caffeine. I chase that about late morning with a. Uh, it's been a. It's been a Red Bull, uh, but lately it's been Holy this new one heck. called Celsius. I think it's called. It's got another two hundred mil in there. Okay? I'm having heart palpitations. I know. Just listening to and that gets me to past lunch, and then you know I still. But I always try to again all healthy. 
not any sugar. I don't like any sugar. Okay, I don't know if it's and healthy then, just because no, it's sugar free. So it's I think it's called Celsius H is my unhealthy. new one that I like. And then, <laughs> but I have to I have to wind it all down before four o'clock because then if I drink anything with caffeine in it after four, I stay up too late. Your wife grounds you and puts I you in the I get in trouble. Backyard. Yes, I get okay. in trouble. So and you like aren't you sort of a blueberry mango pistachio kind of fellow? So I've all I've, of those together. I have no. I have you uh, drink the weird ones. I have the I have the blue blue raspberry. One that I start with. And then I was really into this uh, coconut uh, Red Bull. And then they they stopped making it. And then, uh, but anyway, so I, no, oh, there was because a green one too. Because it literally gave people wings where they died. <laughs> I don't know. They stopped, they, they, you know, those warning labels, I don't I don't know why they even put those on there. Yeah. It's probably harder to sell them when they keep putting warning government conspiracy across everything on the, on, the, on the can. But no, I do. I like, I like to... Um, it's and not just is, one drink. It's just this is every day though. Every single day. Okay, wow, Mara, can you top that again? This is going to be so right and left of center. <laughs> Are you a cappuccino? Just by kind our of girl? drinks, so mm-hmm. I like tea. I'm a tea. I'm a huge tea fan. Caffeinated. Don't scowl at me. I listen to you, yeah. Mr. Yeah, I know, Hughes. I know. So I, I do like a good tea, bit of tea. Yeah. So in the summer, we're going green tea, or because we're talking caffeine here, we're yeah. not just talking a cup beverage. Of. And uh, so I'll do a caffeinated. Um, cold tea sometimes in the morning but if i'm feeling warm like it is now um i do a little bit of espresso and some almond milk with some cinnamon in it and i have been making it on my own lately you've been making it yeah with steaming it and then if i really want to be indulgent because it's a little bit of calories beans and brew let's give a shout out to a local brewer has the best chai Really good chai, chai. Tea. okay, mm-hmm. with a little shot in it, and fancy. But that's sort of that's sort of a high calorie bev. But I know, but sometimes you got to have one here it's and there. Good, so yeah. So I brought this up because I saw Angela Romero tweeting, and she was saying um, thanks because someone had dropped off. It looked like a bunch of zip fizz to her office, and mm-hmm. that's my um, beverage of choice. I don't. How many meals? I've caffeine? never even tried it. I, it's super low. I don't even know. Well, I should have brought a tube in here, but so it's a baby drink. But it's it, like a you drink natural, it with a sippy cup. It's a natural <laughs> form of caffeine. It's super low. I'm sure it's way less than coffee, but it's got I probably, I think maybe a hundred thousand percent more of the B12 than what you should probably have in a day. Right. And so it makes you when you start drinking it, it's like first hits free. It makes you feel like a high school cheerleader. <laughs> but after that, it's just like you, you just that's... keep needing it. So that's what I have. And I learned too, because sometimes you drink it and because there's so many vitamins in it, you have to go to the bathroom super quick and mm-hmm. you don't always have time for that. So instead of mixing it in water, I do it firefighter style and just put the powder in Whoa. my cheek and let it soak in through my Get out. That yeah. sounds pretty boss. That right sounds there. hardcore. <laughs> I know. Oh, so I, if we see you before a broadcast, man, which I'll tell you what, I, when I was, when I served in the legislature and I, especially when I was uh, serving as speaker, I, I, I don't think I ever stopped drinking Red Bull. I think I chain drank Red Bull. So I had one. So the product placement, I should have been paid by Red Bull because there isn't a press conference. There isn't a, there isn't a photograph. There's not a moment on the dais where there wasn't a can of Red Bull. Okay. Well, when we, when we post this podcast, uh, we will add them your so they're aware, placement. they're aware of all of our, um, what should we call these? They're, I don't know. It's what keeps Lifelines. us alive, right? variety yes. though. Like, yeah, seriously. Us. None of us variety. doing the same thing. I'm only though caffeine in the morning and once. I'm not a, I'm not a day drinker like oh. Greg is. Well, that's boring. <laughs> boring. And I try not to start till about 3 or 4 in the afternoon because I've still got to have oh, my energy got, till 11 yeah. p.m. Yeah. And right. the Ziphys is supposed to keep you going for 3 or 4 hours without a crash. What about 5 hour, hour energy? They I, I see don't people like swig those. those. Caffeine makes my heart like, go nuts. I think that it, my, makes, it makes my heart actually work. 
it makes it actually yeah. do its I, job. I think it would stop if I stopped drinking. So it's like caffeine. the paddles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that, I, I, you know, I've actually had my, my blood pressure taken. It's very low. I think my body's gotten so used to it that when, when I'm not taking it, everything does kind of get slower. Interesting. I have very low higher. blood pressure just on a regular average yeah. every day. They say it's for elite athletes and I guess us too because I'm well, not that athlete. is right. That's probably yes. right too. I, that's probably why. Well, <laughs> now that we all know what keeps us going through the legislative <laughs> session, hopefully this helps you if you've been listening, so I'm guessing that you take part. Uh, there's been a lot happening this week and uh, the newest today is the Senate has passed its income tax cut and I know there's been a lot of different percentages out there and um, their percentage was from 49 five down to 4.85 that only gives and I shouldn't say only because depending on who you're talking to a hundred dollars a year is a lot or it's not much so the question is Mara is this enough money where it's smart to give people this money back because it's your money we all need it groceries are expensive or can this money be better used just putting it towards education or something else in the state budget where we're like we've got your money anyways let's do something great with it so I, I, I'll say I believe the die is cast on this. But even having said that, I would still be someone who would assert that a directed tax would have a bigger impact. So whether that is on food or other essentials or other things that um, disproportionately hit middle to lower income people who have have fallen further um, during COVID than anyone else. And I think that we do have a surplus. I would have liked to have seen a more strategic tax cut interesting i love all tax cuts i love the income tax and and look a lot of people don't pay an income tax there's a lot of ways that you reduce your tax liability rich people don't no pay. not rich people there's a lot of there's a lot of people that don't pay if you're an low income enough tax. income don't you end up getting most if you add your child yeah. i mean there's just it's it's just that we are fortunate to have good taxpayers because our income tax funds are public schools uh health related issues for children we need good healthy tax returns from our income tax and i'm i'm of the of the school of thought that when families have more money uh, in their homes, uh, they spend more. I think that that will contribute to the tax collection on the things that they're able to spend their money on instead of having it uh, taxed at a higher rate and having government spend it on. I think I'm a supply sider. So I love income tax, but look, you're not going to get me to say that I wouldn't like a a, a food tax uh, cut because I don't know that anybody's walking out of a grocery store nowadays looking at the receipt and having ever seen the cost higher to buy those groceries than they're seeing right now. The cost of food right now is unbelievable. And it's not just hitting uh, the, the poorest of the poor. It's not, it's not a poverty advocate issue, I don't think, right now. I think the cost of food has become draconian. And so is it going to be natural for a lot of citizens to look around when they're walking out of the supermarket and looking at that bill going, my gosh, would they like some relief? 100%. So I love the income tax cut. I like tax cuts. I think that the tax cuts feed back into the people. People will use those, those So what do you want to see themselves. the House do next? Because the House says they'll plan to add to that. I know that the governor has been looking at possibly the sales tax on, or on food, on groceries. I don't know that they've promised that would be, but they said maybe there's something else the governor would like in it. What kind of... Like if you had to pick your poison or your favorite tax cut, what kind of tax well, cut would I, you give us? Well, I don't have a favorite. I just like all tax cuts. But I, I but all. I think the income tax has good momentum. I think it's, uh, in, you know, politics is the art of the possible. Um, it's all math up there. And I think that that's where you see the momentum. And and look, I when we get under 5% as a state income tax, we get very, very competitive with surrounding states in terms of uh, corporate expansion and corporate relocation jobs. Um 
that lower tax, it matters. It matters when you're less than 5% on your state income tax because we compete with a state like Nevada that doesn't have an income tax. Uh, we have state, so we, we are always looking at how our tax burden as a state compares to the surrounding states. And we always want to be one of the, the states that draws uh, economic activity. And, and our income tax has that, uh, has that factor to it. All right. Um, I don't know if our groceries, this is off topic, are going to get any cheaper, but I don't know if you've been following this, but a lot of the Canadian truckers are headed to their capital right now uh, that don't want to be vaccinated. I think it's about 20, they say, to 25% of their trucking workforce, and they're not allowed across the U.S. border right now because you have to be vaccinated. I don't know what we import, export from Canada, but one would assume when you're taking that percentage from our northern and southern borders out of what they um, are bringing across the border, it's going to cause some problems. So I'm watching that closely. Because groceries are painful. Is, right now. is the really mainstream painful. media covering that? Because I keep seeing it on social media as there's you know 300 plus trucks, or it's the largest convoy ever known. But media is not covering it, and so then I, I when I read that, I think, is it real? Is this convoy that large? Are the media picking up on it? I, I honestly I see, don't know. Um, some stories here and there. Oddly enough, I saw some of the what would you would consider probably mainstream media with some of the larger um, networks picking up the story yesterday because Elon Musk, right. who happens to be the richest man in the world, I think currently, <laughs> yeah, that's he nice was tweeting um, kudos towards the truckers. And I think some U.S. truckers have joined them. The weird thing to me during the last couple of years of the pandemic is that there has been been an interesting choice in what has been covered and not covered. And um, I have family in Europe, so I pay close attention to what happens there. And I think it's important to pay attention to the world. But it used to be every weekend European countries would have fairly large protests for lockdowns or for the COVID passports or the vaccine passports. But those have literally turned into almost daily um protests some of them mass um we're talking not like hundreds of people we're talking like tens of thousands of people mm. hundred thousand people whether you're talking about sweden or italy or france belgium has had the most violent but you don't see them ending up on your network news at night which i don't know why if they just I've never figure heard if we you, don't what you're saying i've never heard if we don't cover them they're not happening happening but they're literally happening now on a daily basis in europe in a lot of cities and some of them turning pretty violent where they're breaking out um government building windows setting cop cars on fire um, uh, I'm seeing that happen in Holland and Belgium. I pay attention there because that's kind of where my family is and where they go visit. So, but yeah, it's happening a lot. So I haven't seen a lot of attention to any of these where people are coming out in mass speaking against mandates. I don't know why. Well, I guess we can all guess why, but it is frustrating. So I think it's important to know what's happening. But in I also the world don't know us. that I believe it's just a COVID issue. I think we have we, Americans follow international issues less and less. Yeah. And I think you used to see on the nightly news sort of a continuing role of um, international news in general. And there are very few except sort of the the American broadcast system, or if you tune into BBC or you tune into those who specifically focus on international issues. Yeah. So, I mean, I think COVID is the topic we're talking about, but in general, I don't think you see Americans know very little about other people's governments and yet other people know a lot about the basics of American government. And so yeah, I it, think in general, our interests have turned inward. Have you ever seen the movie Big Lebowski? Mm -mm. <laughs> so I've watched that movie at least 50 times. I love that movie. Jeff Bridges, John Goodman. It's a brilliant movie. What's it about? It's about uh, the, uh, Big Lebowski, the dude. About the dude. He's, uh, the he's dude. just, he's kind of a hippie guy. They like to bowl, like to bowl. And so it centers around the, the bowling alley. And it's hard to describe. It's a very uh, kind of quirky movie. 
I have a hard but, time getting behind bowling because you have to wear other people's shoes unless you're really committed mm-hmm. and have. You your know, own. these guys are committed. Okay, they got their they got They've a got little team. Own. They got a league. All right. And uh, there's a the John Goodman's character is Walter, and I love Walter, and he has this line in that movie that I've heard a million times, and the last time that I saw it, which was recently, this is how much I love the movie. It meant something completely different because he, Walter likes to speak in sophisticated terms, although he's not a very sophisticated character. And he's explained to, to the dude, uh, Big Lebowski, that prior constraint has been roundly rejected by the Supreme Court. And he's, in, he's talking about this other, but prior constraint is the censorship of a person or uh, before they've ever said anything. Uh, the Supreme Court had, I looked this up because I thought, you know, I, this, what's he talking about? And prior constraint is that you would censor an individual, an institution, uh, before they could even say anything, not censor them after they've said it, take it off. So they say it in the public uh, domain and then it's censored and taken away. And the Supreme Court had argued that that would be okay to censor that way because there are libel laws and slander laws that you could seek redress if you felt you were censored in a in a unfair way but prior constraint where you're not ever allowed to to share your information ahead of time has been roundly rejected by the supreme court well that movie was made in the 90s and i think we have changed i think prior constraints happening all over the place now i think there are there are individuals and institutions that just aren't able to participate in the public square and give share the information that you know, we'd had different medians as technology's changed, but anyway, I think it's, I okay, think prior constraint, my must watch list. prior yes. constraint is no longer roundly rejected by the Supreme Court, in my opinion. All right. Prior constraints no. happening everywhere. Okay. Speaking of the Supreme Walter Court. Walter would not be happy. Walter would not be happy. He would I'm not gonna, be happy. I'm going to watch that in between my watching of Dope Sick. Have either Don't of you Don't watch it around that? your kids, though. It's a little bit. Oh, if you want to be angry about uh, Big Pharma, the FDA, the flow of people that work in between, uh, go watch that. It's interesting. So Dope Sick, put that on your watch list and I'll watch yours. Uh, I want to talk about the Supreme <laughs> Court really quick here. Because uh, last week we were talking about Utah Supreme Court. Now all of a sudden, um, after, I think, probably years of people kind of wondering if Justice Breyer would be stepping down. Um, I think because Democrats hoping that it would happen at the right time when they had control of the Senate and a president there. I think it's been happening probably since President Obama. He is going to step down at the end of his term, which will probably be about June or July of this year, giving uh, the president time to get a pick and get them passed uh, through before the midterm elections in case anything changes. Uh, He promised, Mara, during his campaign that he would – choose if he had the option a black woman it sounds like he's going to fulfill that pick uh is this a good thing a bad thing and why so it's exciting because there are so many qualified candidates in that category so we will not have a problem as i think we have seldom had a problem in the united states getting qualified candidates and so i think that we have had a history of people being qualified there's a short list everyone's seen it it's been out for quite a while these are amazingly um, able women. I think um, what will be interesting is Breyer was one of the few that held down a middle line. He was middle of center um, or left, uh, and he sort of was compared often to Sandra Day O'Connor in terms of being a moderate, and you didn't know quite where they would go, and they were more strictly 
uh, interpreters of the law. They were very conscientious of not having any political language or a political affiliation. It was really important to them that they had a judicial philosophy, but they were really holders down. Of which the should fact. be the goal of all of our... Which should be the yeah. goal, but I appreciated that they reinforced that notion with vigor, even <clears throat> with their peer group. So I'm hoping we get someone who brings that aspect as well. I don't want to lose that language of the court that says, you know, and I and I think our Chief Justice at this point does this as well. It's important to Roberts that he continues to say, hey, listen, you guys speak in terms like this. We don't. We actually have philosophies and our philosophies conflict, but they're not political philosophies. So um, I think it's appropriate and I think it is a promise that will be kept. But if the underlying question is, have we limited the qualified pool by first choosing a black woman? No, we have not limited the qualified pool at all. And it seems interestingly <laughs> enough uh, that uh, if, if this happens... I can't wait till it's my turn. I know. If this happens and uh, a black woman is chosen, it would make the balance of the court for the first time as close to a split of men and women. Gender. Yeah, yeah um, as we've ever had before, that would be four to five. And Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman who was nominated and then... Um, placed on the Supreme Court, so a lot's happened in the last couple of decades. Uh, Greg, I feel like you're chomping at the bit. I am. Okay. So I, we, we actually, I think we might have mentioned this last week that this announcement had come on our last podcast. Did we? We were talking about the state Supreme Court. Okay. Yeah, we were talking. I, I wish you would listen so to that, us. I know. I should, I should really pay attention <laughs> to what we actually say. Uh, so this one's so funny because usually the uh, justice will be the one to make the announcement, but... I think after the Ruth Bader Ginsburg incident where she didn't really want to leave and she thought she probably croaked. thought that where she probably thought that Hillary was going to win and so she hung on and then they lost the opportunity to appoint the Democrat to appoint that justice. Uh, the the story was broke from the White House side, which doesn't usually happen. And so it made me I had this image in my mind of Breyer being informed. Guess what? Guess what you're announcing? They did I mean, a joint press conference. I think that Breyer's like Hughes. eyes when he was uh, it, on, on the TV when he was announcing it, he was just like almost like in a hostage situation. Like I've been told I have to leave now or else or else because the midterms could change everything. And He's been broadly applauded so for going back you to got, the old you look tradition the, of giving <laughs> runways. Mitch McConnell has said it's going to be no problem placing at, somebody. You look at the time Don't before the midterms where and not. where he doesn't announce it himself and it gets announced. It, I just I just he find it to be a little himself. funny. It was a joint conference. No, they leaked it. Well, all I know is my phone started buzzing like crazy and he hadn't said a word yet. And everybody was everybody had the breaking news that he was out, right? So I think he did it under duress. I think the man was like threatened, and so he he's leaving scared is what's happening. Now he's a major who he gets to, who, who President Biden gets <laughs> to pick. I I love and I wish I think I, I love the the optimism that you shared about the qualifications and the and how great and how deeply uh, ready and qualified this nominee will be. It's going to be Kamala Harris. And it's only going to be for one okay, reason. I oh saw my gosh. tweets about this that. Is why. This is why. Like he cannot count. stand that woman. Bra- President Biden is done so with he her. So would give her a power oh where my she gosh, put a bow on it. Decades. He's like, oh, absolutely. So I'm going to attempt to you know, give it's Greg just gonna credit. Make, it's just going to bring sunshine to his administration. And he is just saying to her, this is yours. Put a bow on it. You are out of here. I don't think they like each other as much as we thought, though, when they were running. I don't she think also, he's they don't get along. It also can't happen because it's a 50-50 vote and she's the tie. So it's not Kamala. It's not going to be. That, I, I know you're <laughs> I know you having a moment. I just am amused like, by this Kamala whole thing. Kamala's going no, to the Supreme Court. Mitt Romney will be the so, VP. She, yeah. That's not she happening. She doesn't yeah. like him. There's all this drama going on. All her staff's quitting. And all of a sudden, he's like, I got an idea. Why don't you go over there? 
I mean, that would be a beautiful place for you to go. I think that's I I that's that amuses me. I think that's what I would think happen. That that'll be, be true political theater, I, don't you I think? I think that this is going to be hopefully a really nice process because we have heard the Republican leader say, "Hey, listen, I think this is going to work out." And so maybe for the first time in a while, we don't have to have vitriol. We'll have you know qualified candidates. They'll put it forth. We'll have a discussion. The court will embrace it. That's what I think is yeah. going to happen. Or there's what uh, Greg Hughes reads on Twitter. What are the? <laughs> I, I do. I don't, I don't couple, have Twitter. I, I don't a couple read of Twitter. these um, possible candidates too, I think, could possibly um, pull some votes from the Republican side too, which I think is always nice when we look at our country to see that you can actually get some agreement for both sides, whether or not you know. I guess it always. You have to wait and see what comes out of the woodwork because everyone's got a skeleton or two. But yeah, why why couldn't they just decide they wanted to pick a, a a black female for justice, but not announce it ahead of time so it didn't look so uh, siloed in its review? Because isn't it? I mean, why 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 check boxes of gender and color? Why why can't you just say the best qualified, but then wink and nod? Tell say it amongst yourselves. Like keep it to yourselves. This is where we want to go. But why you gotta why you gotta because, advertise it? Because Joe Biden just decided to be straight and not like trick and spin. It's the not public. a trick or spin. It just looks like he just it's, said it I'm just gonna, looks I'm like gonna let you know. It just looks like it's more formulaic than it is someone that rises to the top. But you could have done it and just you know made it an internal priority. You didn't have to make it the clarion call. I don't call. know that it looks like formula to me because I just think he announced this incredibly qualified pool and just said. That's where it's going to come from. Okay. All right. We'll, All see, right. we'll see what happens next. Uh, I want to talk about Burgess Owens uh, for a minute because he was up and visiting and I should say all of our congressional leaders at some point usually make a stop at the legislature, go talk to people, talk about, you know, what's important to Utahns. It's a good way to figure out where the priorities lie. He went and uh, visited the House and Senate Republicans, but skipped meeting with the Democratic caucus. Greg, should this matter? Does it matter that he skips over? Because he represents an entire state, obviously, not or his district, not just one side or the other. So it used to be that the uh, the address by our Washington delegation, our senators and our members of Congress, they would address the committee of the whole, the whole floor of the House. Mm-hmm. And they would go to the Senate and do the same. And then it was, and it was during my time that we thought, you know, the, the time is precious. We got to have less, you know, committee of the whole speeches and really keep working because there's time is so short and so uh there was a decision that was made that members of congress of the delegation would go to the respective caucuses i am not 100 percent sure that it's always been the republican and democrat caucus that's been visited i i don't know i just don't know because i don't i don't you remember we would just schedule- visited one I, I don't. I just don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that. I feel so like we, should, we have to blame I, you for something I, here because I, I, I don't think I do we too. made a rule. I just think I because I, it's like every caucus you made a makes rule their. That they could only visit the Republicans. I, I'm shocked. No, by see this. now you're being theatrical. <laughs> I, I did not make any rule like that. I am just saying that what we did is we went from a formal moment on the floor of the House to the caucuses. Uh, planning their caucus so, meetings and then inviting members of the delegation to speak to the caucus. Those meetings are closed door often, so the media can't come to them. So Houses I prefer, are open usually. Yeah, but I prefer going back to where they were on the floor and we could actually hear what they were saying. Here's what was yeah. goofy about this is that Owen shot back pretty quick. What are you talking about? You guys didn't invite me. And that was an interesting public shoot back. He was clearly It is a annoyed. calendared event then, that a caucus puts then together. And I think it was Representative Stoddard who shot back. This is all online. Shot back. Are you kidding me? Your your office is the one who called us. You were scheduled for XYZ. And your office said you couldn't make it and pulled it back. So what was sort of felt goofy was that 
they were having this public social discussion media about, war. You didn't invite me. No, yes, I did invite you. So, you know, let's just hope with the many visits that Congressman Owens makes to our state, he, he had to just make good. Go visit the Dems. I don't think he's afraid of it. I'm not a big fan it. of the calling people out on Twitter, though. I don't know that no. that ever, like, mends fences or makes things better. I think people always get defensive, especially defensive when you're blaming them for things online. That's what feels a little Weasley, right? It's yeah. like telling mom. I'm like, you know, no, just work that out. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Call each other up. like the It's a scheduling days. deal. That's all it is now. See, it's a scheduling yeah. deal. All right. Well, that's good to know. Speaking of some drama happening up at um, on the Hill here in Utah, Representative, um, I've, wait, which rep? I've just lost their names. Who was kicked off there? It was Derek Kitchen. Derek Kitchen, Senator, yes. Senator, Senator Oh, Reby. yeah, and Kathleen Reby. Senator Derek Kitchen and Senator Kathleen Reby. Uh, they both lost uh, a committee assignment mid-session. Uh, a lot of people are asking, is this the rule of thumb? Is this politics? Mara, have you been up there behind the scenes trying to figure out what's happening? Because this happened yesterday. We're two weeks in, and this isn't a very long session. So I have two distinct thought process here i just okay. would like to outline two my first one is going to say being a democrat in a hyper super majority uh republican house and senate is being between a rock and a hard place the whole time right it is a tough road to hoe it's regardless of party it's a tough road to hoe to be in a super minority and you've got to figure that out and just sort of constantly navigating it, constantly negotiating, constantly not having enough cards in your hand compared to the other people. So I just want to acknowledge what it must be like to be a Democrat in the state of Utah, always between a rock and a hard place. So parking that thought, my second thought is the challenge with being a legislator, why I would never want to be a legislator, is you join a legislative body. Mm -hmm. You're not a mayor. You are not there to make unilateral decisions. You're not the mayor. You're not the governor. You don't have staff. You are in a body. And it's what Greg Hughes was so good at. The ones that are really good are the ones that like to work in bodies. Ooh, is there a unicorn going to walk in here? Am I yeah. in a dream? Did she just say that out loud? <laughs> well, let's wow. talk about the characteristics <laughs> that require. No. like So when you're working in the body, you have to build consensus. You have to be involved in the intrigue. You have to know when to push and when to so pull. So were they not consensus well, builders? So there have been Democrats that have done really well. Mm -hmm. um, Scott McCoy has done well. Ben McAdams did well. I'm staying in the Senate for a minute. So... Two rumors are happening with one was that Derek Kitchen, so the Democrats held a press conference this week, and the Democrats in the Senate, and they, the point of the press conference was to say, hey, we're getting some things done, we're working with our Republicans. Well, apparently off script, Senator Kitchen went on a 10 minute rant about how much the COVID stuff and the masks wearing was offending him at the Capitol, and that was completely off script. So I think he ticked off his own caucus, and he certainly didn't... You you know, do well by uh, Senator Adams or others in leadership. And then the rumor is of Senator Reby is that she, from the beginning, had a conversation with um, Lieutenant Governor Henderson about how frustrated she was and how she, she's having a hard time working in the body. And she has been pushing really hard, and I think she's chosen to maybe push some buttons, which is a choice. And so uh, I think there was an opening because of Senator Maine. Mm. Many of us have heard she's sick. Yeah. She, um, and so she probably won't be returning this session. And so they moved Senator um, Robles up into rules, and that opens it up. Now, it's very, very rare that they will change assignments. Um, Greg can give us the party line on I, the, the statement that was put, put out is that uh, usually you're just on, as a senator, you're put on two committees 
parties, the Democrats are usually put on three because there's not very many of them. And they said this just was an alignment. Senator Karen Maine, a Democrat, said that that was okay. But I just want to say there's a little bit of intrigue in that it, it clearly is punishment. Um, and they, they hadn't figured out how to do that push-pull and play that game of building needed consensus, um, particularly when you're the minority in a caucus. So I don't. I think punishments is a, is strong. I don't think it's. So you, that. this is more of a timeout. Sit on the I, stairs I think, for well, five minutes. Well, I think if you do have some committee spots that, for unplanned reasons like uh, Senator Maine uh, becoming ill, that and you have to make some changes. It may open the door for other changes as well. It's it you can reorganize because you're going to lose someone from one committee, so you're starting to move some things. It it, it can have a, a domino effect. But here's here is the. To, to, to Mara's point about being a Democrat, this it is it is difficult. Uh, but I, I will say that in one of the years on my first day speech, I spoke about how often Republicans and Democrats in the House vote together, and how much overlap there is on on just hard work public policy that doesn't really fit neatly in one party's platform or another. And you saw on the wings uh, where where bills were voted on strictly by partisan measures, but they were very small compared to if you look at Washington, D.C., where everything seems to be hyper-partisan yeah. almost in every vote. And I, my point then and my point now is if you're a policymaker, if you're a lawmaker, you have to make a decision. Am I going to party build? Am I going to use my position as a lawmaker to draw a contrast between the Republicans and the Democrats, the party platforms and their differences? And am I going to use my position to bring uh, to highlight that and to bring attention to that, or am I going to work and and look to find consensus and build numbers and get enough votes to pass something? And it is a Republican body, so to, for a Democrat to do that, that kind of building consensus when you need those votes, you cannot get those votes by yourself with all the Democrats. There's not enough Democrats to pass a bill on the House floor or the Senate floor. You're going to have to pull Republicans in to get things accomplished. There's, there's a difference of opinion. Some Democrats resent that. They don't like to see that kind of uh, working and making your bill or your legislation palatable for Republicans to support. They feel like they're losing something in doing that. And there are some that say, I need you to, I need you to do something. I need the needle to move, and I need you to be effective in that job, and that's the, that's the body you, we're sending you to. So, yeah, it's hard, and you've got to make a decision. And clearly, uh, from the, what I've just heard, I think you have two senators that – want a party build they want to be a little bit more strident in their their differences with the republicans and so yeah it it doesn't lend itself to to consensus and collaboration and things like that so, so it, it is what it is that senator kitchen and reby are going to have uh short terms up on the hill or can they fix no. things and figure out how to hold hands like our and former play host here jim debacus he was he was he was a famous flamethrower he loved party building through his position as a state senator, and he he did fine. So, I mean, one thing remember is how safe their seats are for Democrats generally. So in Utah, if you're in a safe Republican seat, it's safe. And if you're in a safe Democratic seat, it tends yeah. to be really safe. And so it's not a matter of them not reflecting their constituencies. I mean, I think that's part of the frustration Democrats often say is, hey, you know what? I think my bill that's maybe not palatable to the body is actually more reflected of Utahns. A common complaint of yeah. the re- Democrats is that they feel like they're reflecting citizens sometimes more than the Republicans caucusing in um, at the House do and the Senate. So I, again, I think they'll be fine in terms of reelection. They might even find, 
as as Greg suggested, Jim, Jim DeBacchus found a really strong voice. He very seldom passed a bill. He was not known effective. He, his caucus and even his peers didn't find him effective, but the populace did. They relied yep. on him to express his feelings, and there's a role for that. There's a role for sort of standing You can be the, the bully pulpit guy. Yeah, you can be the so, conscience of your party or your right. of your platform. There's different roles. It's just we have to remember that legislators and legislatures are bodies of governance, not individuals. And it's just human nature. Look, you're going to work with those that work with you, and and so that's going to breed on. That's going to build on itself. If you're working with people and you're trying to work across the aisle and you're building consensus, there's that. Then there's the other version of being the conscience of your your party, your platform. You want you know being more of a populist. So. Different roles, but, you know, it is, that's politics. So maybe to switch it a little, this did show something else, I think, that is playing out in real time that I just so physically noticed at the Capitol. It's a topic we talk about every time we get together, which is COVID. Mm-hmm. And so Derek You're Kitchen, bringing up COVID. I know, and I usually don't. You I, are the I know, one that wants to end I'm this I'm always the one that wants to stop talking conversation. about it. But what's interesting about, I think, the Derek Such Kitchen moment crap. particularly is that I think where he sort of lost it, uh, not lost it as in crazy, but like where... where Was he wearing four masks instead of three? And if you want to see some interesting cultural battles that are 50-50, go up to the legislature. The virtue signaling on both sides is just right (laughs) in front of you. And so when you walk up there, the Democrats are like short of hazmat suits, right? (laughs) And then the Republicans are like licking each other when they need each other. They're licking doorknobs before they go in. It's just... So, like, I have (laughs) been mask shamed on both sides within an hour, right? Like, so have you, Greg. Like, we've talked about this. Like, if you split the difference and you didn't wear a respirator, you just (laughs) wore like a sexy cloth mask, and now they're like, okay, that's mesh. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting. It's right there at the Capitol right now. Yeah. I hate that COVID's <laughs> turned into a religion for people yeah, like whatever you are. It's just like, let's take a deep breath. I mean, be reasonable, yeah. but holy cow, we do not worship the altars of either licking mm-hmm. each other or <laughs> quadruple masking. Like, let's find there, some I, middle I, ground. I will just say, I don't, I don't like masks, but I love opening doors now of like commercial establishments with my sleeve or something that isn't you my got hand. rid of your pirate hook yeah what i don't have that hook anymore hook. i had that that hook was awesome but i don't have it now wasn't it some like mineral you no know, it was like it was it was brass power? so it doesn't carry germs on it but i i'll just if i like to just take my sleeve i try to open doors and stuff without my hands because i actually just think i've actually watched people now and they kind of cough in their hands and pick their nose and i'm just like thinking there's a lot of i don't want to touch what everybody touches just forget COVID. i just think it's actually a pretty good habit to pick up on and quit touching things that gross I people guess, touch. I guess, but this is how humans have survived over all these years. Building it's just, that immunity. Yeah, it, are you s- the smartest? Are you I the fastest? I don't want to touch people's snot. I'm done. I mean, Whatever I got, okay. I got. I'm 52. It's a, I either have it now. I have the immunity now or I don't. Right. I'm, I'm stuck. Good information. All right, we're at the point where we've got a lightning round it. I okay. do want to um, mention that after years of talking about period products, which is one of Greg's oh, uh, favorite things, yes. uh, Representative bill uh, passes podcast. unanimously. And what I think actually made this one happen <sighs> is there's been a big social media push by Kristen Andrus. I don't know if you follow her, but she calls her the chief culture officer of her home. Um, she and her husband own... What's the smokers called? The bit, my brain can't think of the word. The Traeger. Everyone, Traeger Grills. Anyhow, she has a pretty wide reach on social media. And I think, I don't know if she's the one to credit, but it seems to me that she's sort of pushed this one 
yeah. over the finish there's line a, where people are like, okay, there's yeah. There's a great online movement. It's super positive. The bill is positive. It's got bipartisan support. Greg needs to say the period project, she and just, we need to fund it. If we could just pass it without having to talk about it for a long time, it's just an uncomfortable topic. It's just, you get anything you want. Anything you want. If you On this topic... Name your price. I, I don't want to talk about it. I see the hair growing Boom. on Greg's, Done. Greg's knuckles Done. right love now. Done. Love it. Love it. Next topic. Growing. Lightning round. Lightning I love it. Round. I never heard of a better topic or, right. or issue. I'd go, right. yes, yes, yes. Okay. School <laughs> transparency bills. Um, we've got two of them going on, and one of them died today by choice. Um, and that was, I believe, the House Bill 234, uh, Representative Jordan Tusher, Tusher. How do I say his name right? Tusher. Tusher. I don't want to call him Tusher because it's like Tush, like your bum. Oh, you're ripping know. on his name. That's great. Oh, that's, that's So I thought good. it might be Tusher. Make sure you interview him soon. Oh, that'll be fun. That will be fun. Uh, he's from South Jordan. She's upgraded his name. Uh, I know. I just tried to make it fancy like, for him. Did you ever say your name out loud? Do you understand what you're, you're saying? I'm trying to help you here. That's I what you could tell I learned something about him, though, when I was researching total he's random really fact. But you know when something's going on in the world and it just draws your attention to it? I've been paying a lot of attention to Ukraine right now. And he apparently worked and did some law practicing in Ukraine. So random fact about him. But uh, he had a bill that was really trying to um, get a little more transparency for parents where teachers would have to put their curriculum online. Uh, There was a lot of pushback on this. He's pulled back, said that he's going to look at it during the interim and talk about it. But we have another bill that remains. uh, Lincoln Fillmore, also from South Jordan. Uh, This is Senate Bill 114, where he wants educators, again, to be putting everything online. I want to talk a little bit about whether or not this even works conceptually, because as a parent, I mean, yeah, do I want to know what my kids are talking about in class? Am I going to go online and read every lesson plan? And is it even possible? Is this wasting teachers' time? Or can we just trust our teachers to go in there, do a good job, and talk to our kids? What do you think, Mara? Teaching is a profession. People go to it. They study it. There's a professional grade. There's a philosophy to it. They devote their lives to it. There's an expertise to it. And to suggest to insert non-experts into the process does nothing but dilute a process. It's also surprisingly big brother of the Republicans in this instance. But I think this deserves a lot more thoughtful consideration because we're bandying the round um, of transparency and parents get to know everything. Well, in the United States, we have decided that lower education should be open and free to the public. You have a choice of not having your kids there, but we also require our teachers to go to four-year schools, get postgraduate degrees, stay up on certificates. It's a profession. We should honor it. We should honor the people who have the expertise. And this is in all fields of government. I have this enormous problem on the, the left, who is most often the people that want to insert generic public people into professionals' opinions. So I'm going to just talk about this more conceptually because I know it's this flashpoint where they're like, but they're parents. Yes, and you can petition your school board, and you can petition your teacher, and there is obviously a role for parents, and so we all agree on that. But I want to respect that this is a profession and who I want to make curriculum choices. Otherwise, then why don't we just send out a survey of parents and we all just consensus decide what our kids should build as a as sort of a public access process. My kids learn things that I wouldn't have thought to teach. Why? I'm not a professional educator. Yeah. I really trust the I would rather professionalize it. I would rather keep it professional. Yes, parents need avenues, but they don't, lay people do not need avenues into professional decision-making. So let's do that next with real estate. So when you all come up, when they appraise my house or when they come up with a price, why don't we let all the neighbors in the neighborhood decide on whether that price was a good price or not? Well, because they're not the experts in their industry. So going broader, I just want to say, please respect that teaching 
has a history and a professional standard. And yes, you should have the right to talk about your child. But I do not think lay people should be making curriculum decisions. And it's not transparency. It's about protecting free and public school and having it have professional standards. The interesting thing, too, before you get going, Greg, is I think that parents, I mean, I barely, like, sign the papers in the morning before my kids go to school. Right. I, th- I think of myself as an involved parent, but do I go and read every word if they were going to post online? No. And I think that oftentimes when these problems come up, where you're, whether you're talking about the hot button issue of CRT or whatever's coming on, I don't think those things are ever in a teacher. Well, maybe they sometimes are in a teacher's lesson plans, but when I hear the things that come up with that are red flags on the left or the right, it seems like teachers are talking about things that are happening in the news where the conversation comes up and it's not something you would have planned ahead about. It's um, somebody who was shot by a police officer or a protest happening here or there. And so they come up as a part of the discussion as just a natural evolution of what kids are hearing and seeing going on around them. Can you plan around that? Look, I I, I think that uh, a bunch of things are coming together. I think this is why Governor Youngkin won the election in, in uh, in Virginia, because I think parents are frustrated. I don't think that that school boards are giving parents a place where they can really speak. I mean, we had parents arrested in Alpine because they want to come and speak to the school board, but they it wasn't an item on the agenda, so they weren't allowed to speak about their concerns. You have the video that came out where the high school teacher from Lehigh said some things that I think if parents uh, were pr- if they knew that, that that what they were watching in that classroom, parents could see. I don't think the teacher would have been, said the things that she had said there, and I think that's a a worry to parents that did the only time that ever happened is the one time the student hit record on their phone. They worry that it's not. And then you hear the stories about CRT. It happens at the same time where curriculum, the curriculum that a state has, and they write this curriculum over over time, and they'll come, they'll review it and they'll they'll make adjustments. It, it used to be the case that Massachusetts states, without without regard to red or blue, used to have uh, in their curriculum. Uh, benchmarks like Gettysburg Address, Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman. The new curriculum, as you're seeing it written now, is far more vague. You're not seeing these touch points and these these moments that are expected to be explored or or studied in the curriculum as it's been as it's been being written. So that's happening. And this year is a year where I think K through six or seven is being rewritten, and the ver- verbiage is not of those moments like it has been in other states and has been in Utah in the past. And the fear there is that this is, if it's vague, then that's where you can fit critical race theory or other, other areas of, of curriculum that you wouldn't want to put neon lights around, but the curriculum's vague. So you can talk about it. Here's what I'd like. And I've, I've had people that I like to know the preamble of the constitution. Well, like look, me. if we you wanted to, not, not that everybody that would do it, schoolhouse rock yeah. for me. If not everybody would do it, but you know, you have committee hearings that you can listen to. You have floor debates that you can see, protect the, the privacy of children, make sure that children's privacy is not being violated. Maybe it's the, you can see the teacher or you can see the class, but not the students, or you have to have a password to be a parent. But what's wrong with a parent being able to listen or observe the classes it's being taught, especially because you'll have some students that come home that will need help with homework. It would be informative to understand how that class or that lesson was taught uh, to help your help your child if you had the homework assignment or something like that. I think if we went transparency that way where you could actually see so it. So you would support and, and that look, any state office, 
anything publicly funded, I should be able to watch those people do their jobs. No, I'm talking about our classrooms with our kids in it. I'm talking about if you're worried that your children get educated in a way that you are not comfortable with, and that child believes them, that you're not very effective at your no, house. I, I, and if you my, have my values example, that you think are really important to your kids, then transparency should happen in your home. Because and, unless you decide that every professional environment deserves that level of oversight and that level of intrusion, I agree with Mike McKell on this, who is a Republican senator who said, you know, we have those accesses right now. And I just think, Greg, it in the name of being a parent, you are taking a profession and you're not respecting it. Plus, I don't know if we've well, noticed, but the we've just keep piling on to the teachers what we have. They're not our babysitters. If you're worried about a curriculum, then work on transparency and I, communication I with your I just think child. it would be informative to all these. T- and look, I think you could gain a lot of empathy if you saw a crowded classroom so you and you that saw that it was challenging. Employee. No, no, I'm talking about our children. No, because, but what, what's the difference? Well, because I have not seen a, a, a video of a high school uh, teacher saying things that she was terminated for saying to kids. And I think that that's, that's something that I don't think is the only time it's ever occurred. I don't think we're that lucky to see this lightning strike and the only time something like that's ever Sexual happened Sexual harassment has happens happened. all the time in the state but workplace. But Why I'm don't telling you, follow everyone around and then we'll know if there's harassment? I, I see no threat to a teacher or the delivery of education if parents could hear and observe the, the lessons as they're being taught. And look, what if a teacher has a crowded classroom and it's hard to manage that classroom? It would be good for parents to understand the challenges that an educator is going through with a large classroom. And you might see that empathy raise with those parents in terms of how a teacher is educating or delivering education to a, their classroom. I Look, man, if you were a kid and you knew your parents could watch you, do you think you're going to misbehave or backtalk or be bad if you, your parent could see that class? I think I you think, might because it's like reality yeah. TV shows where at some not, point you, not you, the way you I was lose raised. awareness of You'd the cameras be, around. Yeah. I, I just think it changes everything and doesn't respect the classroom. I also just think it's an undue burden. We put, we put. This is, is as Mike McKell said, this is, this is a, a solution looking for a problem. And I just think it's, it's so unnecessary. Don't you think it's good to have cameras at, at the, when, the, when the floor, the debates on the floor of the house? I mean, isn't that a good thing? That's public lawmaking. You're elected to do that. Well, it's public school. You could homeschool your kids. But I think always there will be good and bad of everything. There's good teachers, there's bad teachers. Is it it wrong because it's disrespectful that that parents could listen in or watch the lesson being taught? Is that what you're saying? It's just frankly not needed. There's there's not a problem. I don't know of any. I have heard angry parents who don't feel heard. And what I hear them saying is I'm not being agreed with. I think that there are very few. I, I think if you were having a problem with your child i can't imagine a scenario where a teacher wouldn't help you figure out the problem you're having with your child where i have heard is it's political problems that parents are having and they don't feel that poor little girl that got bullied greg you're always going to find a scenario but you know what that's not what we make public policy around it's not well, what we make public policy there's, around. There's, they're going to make some policy around that one. And I Davis think the that argument of there, that means you should actually put it in every public place that I think taxpayer that, money I think that there should be some transparency in those classes. And I don't think hearing the or seeing that, happens that, in every that single lesson place. being taught, is a, it should be a threat to anyone. We should be a, we 
parents will learn from those but lessons. I'm just going to go really pedantic for a second. I mean, yeah. we have a hard time doing the podcast board half the time. So now you want school districts to pay for expensive equipment that has to be maintained. The continuing it's burden easy. in the name of oversight says the guy who can't work his, you know, iPad. Well, yeah, so but it's easy for young people. They're it'd be technology like natives. So the they kids grew up around this stuff. At some point, though, like how much the video you save and... I know there's so much to look into. And here's the thing. I think this is interesting when you talk about what our kids hear in classrooms, because I think there's always going to be a teacher who says something where you're like, I can't believe they said that. Or, you know, maybe your kids tell you or you don't. But I think sometimes whether they, the teacher should have said it or not, having our kids introduced ideas that are different than maybe what they've heard or learned or is right or wrong, you know, sometimes I think it teaches them critical thinking skills. And I think the interesting thing is, is that we can always look at the influence that parents have on their kids because every time there's a presidential election, they'll go hold an election in an elementary elementary school classrooms. And the president is always who the kids vote for because the kids listen to their parents and they vote how their parents do like almost 100% of the time. And so it's not like kids aren't hearing the lessons from you and talking about them. So talk to your kids at the dinner table and ask them specific questions. What did you learn in this class? Have questions about, you know, what their teachers are saying or doing and teach them those critical thinking skills because not everyone's going to think like you or your kids. And I don't know, maybe it'll teach them to be the house speaker someday. No? No. Well, okay. I, th- I, yeah, I, I think that more transparency would be better. All right, charter schools with cameras on them everywhere. And Every cameras everywhere. Greg wants cameras on everywhere. I'm going to tell you, there are conscientious parents who've reached out to parents when their kid comes home saying something that is their six-year-old's talking about suicide and, and certain things, and they're like, I think it's a little bit of a heavy topic. And the answer that this parent gets back is a non-answer. Right, and and Greg, there's and it leaves a parent, a, a parent's, it leaves a parent a parent's not knowing what to do next. professionals judgment and at the end of the day if you want but to send your child to a free public school uh, who i would like making decisions are trained professionals uh, that's who i want making decisions i do not want to over politicize schools which i think is what's happening i don't want this to be consensus made from a poll of the parents in my neighborhood i want trained counselors trained principals train teachers who I have trust in. And yes, you will always find someone in the system who breaks down, but you and I agree that every system has that. Yeah. So I trust the teachers. But the, I am telling you what you just argued was, was governor um, McAuliffe's argument in Virginia. And Youngkin said the other side of it, he took the side of the parents and, Youngkin won. I don't think what yeah, you're saying. He, Youngkin won a political what, exercise. No, but so, I don't think yes, parents would I agree with you. I think your rhetoric wins politics. Will argue that they have the best interests of their child at heart, and they I and think they parents and that, do. But parents aren't the professionals. I think we could do that. We could stick the cameras you know, in the room. I just think that I, very few parents will actually. I don't think. I don't think parents do are ready to them. to take away that. We're talking their about school, Greg. We're not talking about the influence of your child. You're the I'm not. Have at it. This is school. You, if, yeah. if you, unless you've ceded the raising of your children to the teacher. Well, you do then, the way you've described then, it. No, You're not I'm allowed saying, to have an opinion. You're not allowed to talk no, about I'm it. I'm saying at the moment, I'm fine with a teacher teaching my child. I have had instances where, as Heidi suggests, my child learned something that I don't agree with. I don't feel threatened by that. I feel invigorated I don't either. I to just, have a discussion with my kid about like, oh, that's interesting. That's what you learned. What about this? I'm not threatened by my child knowing things I don't know believing things I don't believe, seeing a world that I don't see, none of that threatens my influence with my children. 
I'm just at the point where I want my kids to be at school five You're days a week. You're just tired. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. want them out. You want them <laughs> out want and gone. You, I can see it in your eyes. You're like, just quit talking about it. I don't want to slow it down. Just get going. No, I want to slow time down. I work from 2 to 11, and so I'm basically yeah. home during the day when my kids are at school, so I kind of miss out on their lives. So I've sort of selfishly liked this whole pandemic life where they're home on and off and throughout the school year. So that part's good. I don't know if they've been learning all they should, but <laughs> <laughs> it's been real great Learn, for us. Learn, Wearing our pajamas all day yes. long and doing whatever we want. All right. Well, we haven't solved all the world's problems, but we've discussed some of them. Thanks so much for being with us this week. I'm sure there will be more drama to talk about next week. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating.